This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. You may have seen that Fast Company recently launched its Creator 25 list, which we put together to spotlight the 25 creators and executives that we feel are really pushing the creator economy forward in exciting ways. Last week, I interviewed the comedian Tony Talks, who earned a spot on our list of up-and-coming creators. And if you haven't listened to that episode, please do. He was such a delight. And this week, I wanted to chat with a creator who's already built a massive platform to figure out how he's using it. If you're on TikTok, I'm sure Michael Lee has landed on your For You page at some point with one of his dance videos. And it's worth mentioning those dance videos have earned him 52 million followers and more than 10 billion views. Now, Michael is launching Joystick, a gaming ecosystem that aims to empower users and content creators to become business owners. So I'm sure you're wondering, how did we go from dancing to gaming? Well, according to Michael, it's important for him to adapt and expand both in the content he creates and in his business pursuits. But what I'm always curious about with creators like Michael is what success looks like off the platforms where they're most popular. Having 52 million followers is very impressive, of course, but how do you translate that following into a new business, especially a new business that many might not see as your core brand? This is Creative Control. I'm your host, Casey Finey. Each week, I'll be unpacking the driving forces and people shaping the creator economy and what it all means for its future. Hey, Michael. How's it going? Hey, how are you, man? I'm good. I am. <laughs> I am. I, mean, I just am. But I know I'm excited to talk to you um, because I, you know, I just want to start with the fact that, you know, a lot of people post a lot of content to social media, but not everyone winds up with 52 million followers on TikTok. So how did we get here? Like, what's been your path to becoming a content creator, a massively successful one at that? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I've been doing social media for about seven years now. Um, I started off as a professional dancer, uh, started dancing when I was 12 years old at 2012. And uh, I picked up my first camera and started recording my first video, actually recording on my iPhone um, in 2015. And after a year of just kind of starting to post my dance videos, uh, I had my first kind of like glimpse of success and uh, kind of like explosion of growth. I gained like 100K on you know, musically, YouTube, Instagram, all of that stuff. And then fast forward kind of a few years later, I just continued kind of like working on my craft as a dancer and as a choreographer and all of that stuff, making dance videos, kind of like becoming my own one man team in high school, uh, learning how to do videography, editing, basically just doing everything I needed myself because no one was around me that basically could do those things. Right. Then 2019 happened in TikTok where TikTok really went hard with promoting their app and changing their algorithm and everything. And by that time, September, that first week I hopped back on, I had 600K already from Musical.ly because it swapped over. And that first week, I literally gained a million followers um, <laughs> off of doing a few videos. And from that, I was like, wow, this is the next opportunity. This is crazy. And from there, I literally stopped everything, started doing videos uh, all day, every day on TikTok consistently for like months. I was just gaining a million every week. And uh, it, it just started blowing up. And then, um, yeah, moved out in 2020 to L.A. A few months later, I moved my family out with me and I started supporting them. 
And then um, I started making the brand, Shlove Family. And it's just kind of been like that ever since. And, you know, just kind of like diving into different avenues of whether it's Web3 or acting or whatever. I'm kind of, you know, trying to get into gaming. That's pretty much been the journey. Nice. And, you know, you mentioned Musical.ly, which, you know, was formerly TikTok, really. And so it's which just it's like wild to think. It wasn't that long ago, but it feels like a lifetime ago. Oh, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> and so, you know, obviously, clearly the platform has evolved enormously. So what did that evolution look like to you as a creator? It was just more opportunity. Uh, I knew that with Musical.ly, they had an algorithm where it wasn't even an algorithm at all. It was actually... It's a curation, right? Yeah, it was actually a team of people in Musical.ly's team that would essentially pick out videos, like handpick, right. select videos to be featured. And if you weren't featured, you wouldn't be exposed to any audience. But if you were featured, your video would blow up. So the goal was to literally try to please this team behind this app based off of their content, based off of their likes, opposed to you know the general audience. And it was just really restricting at the time to really have any opportunities. And now I see that these algorithms, the way that these platforms are kind of just shifting their attention to to watch time, to engagement, all of those things, it gave, it gives a lot more opportunity to a lot of new creators. And that's why you see so many new people pop up every single year because it's just the opportunities, honestly, it's really there. And was this your intention? Because I mean, I feel like you're, you're how old are you? I'm 22. Yeah, so I feel like you definitely came up when at a time where being a content creator, it was a career. I mean, this has been around for a while now. And so, you know, when you started uploading content, was it just for fun or did you actually see a career? I saw a career out of it for sure. I've always had the mindset of like, okay, I want to be a business owner. I don't want to do a nine to five and I want to have fun in life. I always wanted to go against the grain. And I Shout out to all the people to... who work nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect to it, but it, it's more of like, for me, I didn't feel like I would be happy doing right. a job at the mall. You know, like that's not my passion. Like maybe your passion is meeting people and, ta- and talking to people. And, and that's perfect if, if that's your case. But for me, I was like, I want to kind of just live life. And, and I saw this thing where these YouTubers... Uh, shout out to like Ryan Higa and and PewDiePie and all these OG OG YouTubers. They they literally made a career out of doing what they love. And I was like, wow, that's sick. I want to do it. How did they get there? I can do it too. So pretty much from 2015, I was like, all right, what's my strong suit? It's clearly dancing. Um, let me just try to post some dance videos, you know. And I slowly started getting promos. I literally charged fifteen dollars for fifteen seconds of dancing to a random artist song. And I was like, wow, like I made it, guys. Like. People get charged. They they literally do eight dollars an hour, and I'm over here making a dollar a second. I was like, "It's it, it's wrapped." <laughs> that was my mindset. You know, I've always been a money man, and um, I've always wanted to kind of like just improving and getting better over time. And when I saw that this was an opportunity, especially knowing how it wasn't one even just a few years before, like because social media is still so early and so new that. It, it was just like, it was a no-brainer to me. And and for me to hear so many people kind of like say like, oh, it's not a career, even dancing. It was just like, it those things are not like serious. You should go to college, this and that. I was like, I knew in my heart, I was like, all right, you guys don't know because you guys were never even presented this opportunity. You know, right. if you guys knew or saw in the viewpoint that I saw it, you guys would be saying the same thing I, I am. You know, I think it was just, it's just kind of old, old mindsets compared to new ones. 
Right. Obviously, you weren't the only, you know, dancer out there. And yet you were one of the few that have managed to make this like massive career. And so have you thought about why your specific dance videos have have taken you to these heights? Throughout the years, I've been able to figure out, well, one, it's been boring to to do the same things for me. I personally love doing and, and experimenting and, and experiencing new things. So as a dancer, I've always tried to figure out, okay, how can I one-up myself? How can I make a better video? How can I make something that's relevant, but also kind of true to me and and continuously kind of like double downing on that? And I think now I'm at a point where I have so many different little things about me or my brand that I can be very different from another dancer or another creator because I have my own thing that I've been able to kind of hone in and and focus on and that's such as vfx dancing um kind of like fight choreography uh professional videography you know like more of like a filmmaking sense as well right you know all of these different aspects uh comedy family all these different things i've been able to explore because of my content changes it's honestly just been helping me become an overall better content creator and storyteller really right And that actually kind of feeds into my next question, because oftentimes when it comes to being a content creator, it's usually this sort of like flash in the pan success. But I mean, you've been at this for quite some time, like seven years, as you mentioned, and you don't seem to be slowing down. And so how do you create longevity in a space where, as you mentioned, it's so easy for audiences to get bored? How do you create longevity in this creator economy space? To do that, you have to first lead on your passion and to don't compare to others. I heard this video, I, I hope I, I, I quote it right, but it's uh, comparison is the stealer of joy or something, hmm. something like that. It's pretty much where if you always compare yourself to other people, you'll never be satisfied with what you're doing. And you know, you'll always kind of like bring yourself down or down talk yourself. And with social media, it's completely that, you know, you're always comparing because of numbers. People always put a self value based off of how many likes you have, how many followers you have. And I think that if you get caught up in that game, the second that, because people have off days and people have off seasons. Um, For me, I was, I was on my high like a year or two ago. And then I had like a little hiatus and now maybe I'm not where I'm at, but mentally or, or physically or whatever I'm kind of working on or focusing on, it's completely different. And I think that if you're trying to be in this game for any creators that are listening to this, I think it's really important that you hone in on your passions and know that even if you aren't successful if you don't see what you want in five years are you still happy doing what you're doing because for me i could make a million dollars with a nine to five or whatever kind of job right but if i'm not happy doing that then what's the point of even doing it you know we only have one life to live and i think that even if you are a a chef and being a content creator pays enough to to pay the bills and all that stuff you should honestly be you know grateful that you're still able to to make that content or, or doing what you love and actually focusing on that and becoming your own individual as a creator as a person all that stuff so it's looking into that viewpoint because it's a long game and as much as social media has changed people's lives i think that people only look at the top 10 a top 50 and they're like oh i need to get there and they don't kind of realize the position that they're in and then they kind of like burn out because of that. And then hmm. they stop doing it altogether. And that's why you always see such a crazy influx of creators come and go from months in and months out. I think that people that are able to really focus on, again, what they love and then to kind of always 
basically improve on what they're doing on themselves, then that's that's really all that really matters because the people that have stayed true to that, you can see that they're honestly like untouchable now and and they're just on their own wave. That's really what it should be for every creator. Yeah, and that's actually a really good point because I think, you know, obviously the creator economy has been around for quite some time, but we haven't seen this massive influx of people joining it until like, honestly, like around the pandemic, like that's what like yeah. when TikTok, you know, really started taking off. That's when it became this huge force. 100%. And I feel as if people are entering the creator economy with this mindset of like, oh, this person made it. So I can do, I can like have, you know, 52 million followers on TikTok and it's not impossible, but it's not the story. It's not the common story. I feel like there is this 1% class of creators that managed to make that massive success, but the rest of it is this like middle class. And that's completely fine. You can have a great career in the middle class with the creator economy. But I think a lot of people do get disillusioned and downtrodden when they feel like, oh, I'm not having like multi-million followers. And it's like, are you happy? Are you doing your passion is the thing. Like, so. Exactly. And it's great when you strike both, when you're doing your passion and you have 52 million followers <laughs> on TikTok. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. And when we're back, Michael explains his pivot into his new gaming company, Joystick. This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. And previously you mentioned Schlovehouse, which is your content house. And, you know, obviously for those listening who don't know what a content house is, it's basically you know, influencers and creators living under the same roof and creating content. And we've definitely seen content houses kind of get dragged <laughs> in recent months. And it's hard to tell if people are hating on the idea of a content house or if it's like the specific creators involved with that content house. But I'm curious to hear what's been your approach to Schlove House? Like, what did you want it to be? Or more specifically, what did you not want it to be? Originally, when I started, I started off with a few other people. Um, it wasn't myself. I thought it was good to kind of do it with some friends or people that just had mutual interests. Honestly, just going through the experience, it's very hard to live with other people. Yeah. <laughs> That's not your family, you know, because right. I think people, especially creators and on these kids, we're literally teenagers and, and pre-adults that are trying to figure our life out. And we're trying to figure it out with literally other energies. And when you share that much energy and that much differences of people, especially if you don't know them, it's really, really hard to make it work. Because you don't know people's intentions. You don't know where they want to go. People can literally change from one year to the next. And for me, it was just way too much. And I had to kind of disband and like refocus. All right, like what do I want my brand to be? And who do I want to surround myself with? And that ended up being my family. That ended up being my really, really closest of friends that were there since the beginning. And of course, there's a lot of literally 99% of people I lost uh, on the way. But it was for the right reasons, I think. And yeah, content houses now, you can kind of feel if it's genuine or ingenuine um, because of energy. You know, you watch a video and you could tell if someone doesn't like someone. You can tell yeah. if someone really vibes with them, if they have that mutual connectivity together, all that stuff. So, Do you vibe with your family? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, for sure. Of course. Yeah, I, I feel like I've been the dad you know, right. for, for years to come. So um, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a lot easier being able to have family be around and and be able to have an opportunity where I can actually build a brand with them. And I think it's really cool. But of course, making sure that they're happy and that they're 
not feeling exploited and not feeling like they have to do certain things. Cause I know that that's another whole topic that uh, family channels go through and stuff. Big time. So I want to talk about Joystick, which is, of course, your new company that you co-founded. And so, I mean, let's start with the obvious. What is Joystick? So Joystick is essentially the next gaming ecosystem, an opportunity for me to teach people who love to game how to make money in the world of Web3 and the future. I think that Web3, for people who don't know, it's essentially the next stage of the internet. Web1 was the read-only where you can only see emails, you can only see these static images of websites. And then Web2 is what we're currently in, which is social media, where we publish and post this content and we are able to interact with each other and all that stuff. Web3 tackles the idea of owning digital assets and having ownership over everything. So that's where the blockchain comes in, NFTs, all of these things that essentially will be really, really important in the future because our whole world is essentially becoming digital. And one of the big plays with Web3 that I think is going to be an economy with gaming. I think that the games that we play, we don't own anything. And that the fact that we're going into a world where we're going to be able to kind of basically assist and help build up brands that we love and then make economies from that, we'll be able to essentially like make a career out of playing video games itself. Think of it like a university for Web3 and gaming, right? Like you can obviously learn on your own and you can try to do it on your own. But if you have, say, a mentor, if you have courses or, you know, people that are already experienced in it that give you the tools and give you like the knowledge you need to succeed, it'll be way faster. It'll be way easier. So for us, we're trying to give a lending protocol where we can basically rent you out assets for the games that you want to play. If it's too expensive, we can make it a lot cheaper and make your overhead of income a lot higher. We can give you opportunities of how to become an esports player, how to become a content creator, a streamer, basically all of these different avenues that we're wanting to tackle to basically grow the brand of Joystick alongside with the community. Because the biggest thing about Web3 is that the company is as strong as its community. So for us, if you win as a member of our community, uh, we win as well. So that's like the biggest, biggest thing. So we're trying to give as much opportunity as possible for people who don't have any and basically hopefully make a lot of careers happen. And we're currently already having like a lot of families being able to support their families um, with Joystick. So it's been it's been really, really cool to see. It's really interesting because I don't think I've heard of a platform quite like this. And so, I mean, like what what is sort of your like revenue structure? Like how is this company like going to make money? So we have a coin and essentially this coin is uh, tied to a whole bunch of perks and a whole bunch of different things that allow you to get more, even more benefits from Joystick. For example, like if you have a certain amount of Joystick, you'll be basically kind of like geared towards the first of the list of people that we prioritize to, to give for a lending protocol or whatnot. Then for our gaming assets, because we reach out to games and we look for the best games that are essentially like up and coming, we'll reach out to them and we'll be like, hey, uh, we have this audience, we have this exposure for you, and we'll basically get your game to blow up or whatever. And we essentially cut a deal with them to where we get a percentage off of their assets and then we receive assets. And then from there, we were able to monetize that way. Other than that, it's really just getting investment from others as well and kind of just growing as a brand. Because I think that social power is super, super undervalued still to this day. 
Speaking of brands, I think most people would, you know, label your brand as dancing. Like that's what that's what, you know, sort of how you you came onto the scene. And I think you obviously still kill it doing that. So do you think that you have a strong enough brand in gaming for people to buy into this with you as the face of this company? I think that this whole concept is new enough that if I start now, even if it's not in a month or two months, maybe if, if it's down for a year ago, you know, a year later, I think that me diving in. And this is honestly with any creator. If say you start off and you're known as, you know, for, for being a chef, but you want to dive into fitness, um, that first few days or that first few weeks, people are going to be like, ah, stay in your lane, ah, do whatever. But eventually that content that's new is going to be what you do. And they're going to eventually just kind of get used to it. You know, for me, I never wanted to be labeled and only stuck to one thing. I've always wanted to be able to take something that's working and make opportunities from it. I started off as dancing, yes. But I'm also now, if you look at my channels, I have a family channel. Now I'm diving into family personality content. Now I have a second channel with me just sitting down and, and doing reacts videos. Now I'm a react channel now. I have um, a gaming channel, so now I'm, I'm diving into gaming. So there's so many different avenues that I don't see myself as just a dancer. Of course, that's the thing that is my biggest strong suit. But I think everything else, if I just make good content in general, and if I know how to make that content, I think it's going to work at the end of the day and i mean it's been it's been able to pay off really really well so far so hmm. yeah i think that long story short <laughs> i feel like i'm on a rambling spree no but. no no listen, <laughs> listen i love a good ramble listen like I, 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 me myself and i i love a good ramble because i like to work with more versus not enough so and what you're yeah. rambling about is fascinating to me so please Continue the ramble. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like, of course, I'm not known as a gamer fully, but I think that as I really start diving in and making more, you know, consistent content a year from now, I feel like I will easily have a brand new fan base in specifically in gaming. And then on top of that, I think that the more content that you consume as a viewer to someone, the more loyal you'll essentially be. So for me to be diving into gaming, reacting, family content, my own personal content with dancing and with fitness and all of that stuff. That's so many avenues of content that someone's consuming of one person that eventually you just kind of be, you, you kind of become like a, a, a really, really loyal fan. And anything that that person does, you essentially are going to be down for, you know? So many people, and, and I'll use this example for like, let's say uh, the Kardashians. You watch them on one platform and you love them uh, of what of who they are, right? As a, as a person or whatever. Anything that they dive into, their fan base is so strong and so loyal that they're able to basically take that audience anywhere that they want. And essentially for me, that's where I'm, I'm kind of like looking at that model and that structure and I'm applying it to myself. I'm so glad you brought that up because I have the question of like, do you think your popularity <laughs> online will translate to joystick? Because I think sometimes, I think the conventional wisdom is, yes, if you build this massive following that a good enough amount of people will follow you to what you're doing, right? But I think that's, it's conventional wisdom, but it's not always true. And so I guess like how, how, how bullish are you <laughs> on people following you to this platform? Because like not everyone who follows you on, some, a lot of people who follow you on TikTok maybe just want to see you dance and they're not necessarily interested in gaming. So do you think there's enough of your fan base and enough people outside of your fan base to really make Joystick a success? Oh, 100%. The goal for myself and Joystick is that, yes, I have the face and, and the face in front of the brand, but the goal is that Joystick is also so strong 
of an entity by itself that any gamer will see the opportunity and be like, yo, that's sick. They're hosting, what, $100,000 competition to this? They're, they don't need to be a fan to be interested in an opportunity, you know? So that's kind of like where I see it as well. I see it as I, I'm more of the face and I kind of give the creative direction of like where, you know, joysticks should be going and how we should be moving. But on, on the back end of stuff, I, I see that this is not just something that because I'm part of it, people should be a part of. I think that every gamer should be a part of this, regardless of if I'm a part of it or not. I think that this opportunity of Web3 and the future of gaming and the future of the internet is coming. I think that anyone that listens to it and kind of understands it once it's really kind of like settled in, they're going to be in love with the idea, honestly. So really what made you fall in love with this idea? Because, you know, not to count your pockets or anything, but it didn't, <laughs> I don't think you necessarily needed to start this venture, but you did. So what was that impetus for you to create Joystick in the first place? I love being a businessman first, and I also love technology. I'm, I've always been a big, 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 big fan of technology. So hearing and learning about Web3 and what the future holds with it and how much opportunity it holds from it, not only as a creator of me just wanting to inspire and entertain people, I wanted to have a career and a path where I'm able to genuinely change lives and have it be where, wow, that's Michael, not only the entertainer and dancer, he's like also a philanthropist. He's helped me make a million dollars. Like I want, I want to have that name because I feel like that just has such a stronger impact. And for me, that's just like helping people is dope. I love doing that, you know, and I, I think seeing other people win is what really inspired me. So seeing the Web3 and seeing this opportunity, I wanted to hop onto it because I felt like if I'm not going to do it, someone else is going to do it. So might as well. And I, I've always been a gamer. So maybe not a content creator gamer, but I've always been a gamer at heart. So I think that it just kind of lined up. And I was like, if no one's making this, might as well make it myself. <laughs> totally. So that's really the thought process for that. And that's pretty much what I've been doing. So to think about all of what we've been talking about so far, I mean, I, I'm curious to hear from you, like, where do you see the creator economy going and what place do you see for yourself in it? <sighs> so, so tough. I think... <laughs> so I saved it for the end. <laughs> oh, for sure. I think that the creator economy is going to continue to evolve and expand. I think that it's going to get harder because at the end of the day, if there's more people, that's more competition, you know? Um, that's just how it is realistically. That being said, I think that creators are going to have a hard time just sticking to one thing and not evolving. So if you don't have the right team around you, if you don't have the right mindset of continuously seeing where you want to take yourself, you know, year after year, it's going to be hard to stay relevant. And that means that as much as there's so many people that are hopping on, there's going to be a lot of people that hop off as well. Um, and that's just the reality of it. Everyone sees the glams and, you know, all the, the success and the money and all that stuff. And they don't realize how much time it actually takes. I quit a nine to five job and I stopped doing these little things to work 24 seven now <laughs> on my career, but it's something I love. And I think that that's what people will kind of forget. What else? Uh, I think that creators are going to have to become their own media companies if they're not already. Biggest thing for me is like, I'm one person and I've learned in the last few months and I've actually been building for the last few months um, an entire team, essentially, right? I have a team of like, I think 10 to 15 or something like that. It's of editors, it's of 
thumbnailers, it's of creatives to kind of help me with ideas. It's it's like a whole the whole nine because re- the reality is that I can't be a dancer, be a gamer, be an editor for everything. For example, if you think of Mr. Beast, he's the number one influencer and in the creator in the entire world. He has just for his gaming channel over a hundred people working for him. Yep. You have to become a media company essentially to be able to do all of these things and to compete with these people. Because yeah, for me, I'm expanding. I'm already where I'm at, but I feel like I'm at ground zero again with um, <laughs> restarting these platforms and 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 doing this whole new kind of process. And I think that if someone doesn't look to scale when they have the opportunity to they won't be able to reap the most benefits out of it and, you know, be that one percenter. Right. And so what place do you see you having in the creator economy? Like when you when you really look at like what joystick could become, what you, you know, what's going to come after joystick, because I doubt that's going to be, you know, your only venture. Like what place do you want to have in the creator economy? Um, I hope to just be an OG. I, I hope to do this until I don't feel like doing it anymore which is not a long time, you know, I I feel like it's fun. I've finally found a path where I genuinely enjoy what I'm doing, you know, Mm. gaming. I love gaming. I'm not going to stop gaming. All I have to do is push record and now it's content. (laughs) Uh, Family channel, I think it's dope too because I'm able to spend time with my family and do these crazy concepts that you wouldn't typically do on the regular. And then dancing, it's just dancing. So I I don't know, I, I just feel like I want to have a position where I'm financially free and I have the possibilities to dive into anything else when I want to. Great. Well, Michael, I'm so glad I got a chance to talk to you, man. This was great. And I can't wait to see what you do with Joystick. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You're killing it. So. That's all for this episode of Creative Control. Make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And make sure you rate and comment as well. I say it every week, and I mean it every week. We love hearing from you. Fast Company podcasts are produced by Avery Miles, Blake Odom, and Matt Toder. Editing and sound design is by Nicholas Torres. Our executive producer is Joshua Christensen. Deputy editor David Litsky provided editorial oversight for this episode, as well as senior VP of entertainment, Scott Mebus. <laughs>